Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard from pewterreport.com. Scott Reynolds with me on a Monday evening as the primetime podcast of Draft Week 2022 get underway. And we are talking Bucks final seven round mock draft via Pewter Report, which dropped last night. So most of you have had the opportunity to check it out now for about 22 hours and tell us how much you absolutely hate it and think that the Bucks are not going to do any of this stuff. Scott, it's been challenging putting this thing together probably more than any year. We'll go through some of the recent years and yeah. talk about it today, but it's been a challenge to put this whole thing together for this year. I think we like where it ended up, but even today we're talking, we're like, man, there's like six or seven options we could see kind of in the first round. And that was yeah. not even the case last year, probably. Yeah, I know. It it really is a unique year for the draft because it's not just the Buccaneers. Last year, we kind of knew they were going to draft an outside linebacker, an edge rusher. That's that's a something they needed because Jason Pierre-Paul wasn't going to play forever. So they went ahead and they drafted Joe Tryon-Schoenka, who we had as a Bucks best bet, and also in our mock draft. And then we also knew they were going to draft a quarterback, which they did in Kyle Trask. So we, we did pretty good last year mm. because we kind of knew the positions and maybe who they were going to draft. But this year, it's it's not even the Buccaneers that we're unsure about. It's, it, it's the teams in front of them, right? I mean, this is going to be an, an unpredictable first round of the mock draft. Right. It's going to be very unpredictable. It's going to be wild for every team. And the quarterback situation being an unknown in front of the box is obviously going to be going to create a bunch of wrinkles and a bunch of uh, challenges, I think, for the teams at the back end. Some will be good if the quarterbacks end up coming up the board. Right. Others could be, hey, the quarterbacks are falling. There's a bunch of teams in the second that want to trade up, and now they're looking at their options and they're saying kind of what's on the table and all that stuff. So there are more challenges than normal in this year's draft, Scott, uh, especially from our, our standpoint to try and analyze this whole thing. And But we are going to do that. We are going to jump into that. Before we do that, though, I do want to address everything from today. And um, if people didn't see on Twitter, I announced today that this is going to be my last week at Pewter Report and in the sports media field in general. Um, and it, the reason for that is not because of anything that's wrong or drama, which I'm grateful for, which has been incredible here. The reason for that is that my wife and I, Britt and I, and our two kids, Kaylee and Harper, um, we feel really called to to go about doing some other work outside of the sports media arena, um, working with college students and young adults and helping to mentor and raise up the next group of leaders uh, in our country and a lot of key capacities. I'll try and explain some of what we're doing just so people aren't isn't isn't totally vague for people. It was hard to get specific um, on Twitter, but we will basically be working. A lot of it will be summer camp oriented and sports camps and things like that. And we'll be working with a lot of the staff that will come in there in the summer, which are from college campuses and um, and young adults that are teachers and things like that that come in to work in the summers with kids that are ages 8 to 18. So they work with the kids. We work with the kids too, but we also work with the adults and the leaders that will be there. So we'll be recruiting them in the off seasons and then working with them in the summers. And there will be opportunities for a lot of spiritual, emotional, mental, um, cultural understanding, growth in a lot of key areas that my wife and I are really passionate about, especially areas that we feel like uh, as Christians that the church has done a poor job of showing and exemplifying like how Jesus wants us to love people in those arenas. And so that's been very meaningful to us. We have been passionate about that kind of stuff for a long time um, and have tried to do as much of it as we can while in the sports media arena. It's been very challenging though. It just, 
you know me, Scott, and you know it takes a lot of time and energy to do this job and to do it well, especially. And, um, you know, you have exemplified that, I think, for years here. And hopefully I've been able to do some of that as well during my time. Um, and just it takes a lot of time and energy to do it yeah. <laughs> at the, the way that I want to do it. And, 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 yeah. and it leaves very little for other things that I think I need to be spending more of my life doing and, and, and Brit as well. So we've talked a long time. This opportunity came up, you know, I've, we, we, you and I have been talking about it for a little while too here and yeah. I let you know my decision a while back. And so we've been planning and preparing and the rest of the staff, you know, have been planning and preparing with them, um, love them to death. And you all have been incredibly supportive as I make this decision, which I know is going to come out of nowhere for a lot of people. And this is absolutely the hardest part is that I just, genuinely love bucks fans like i love y'all like uh, Steeler background whatever y'all are my people like there's no question in the world about that uh, and y'all have been so amazing to me and to my family and i just want to thank you all so much for that uh this week is going to be great that we get to spend this week together and, and rock out of the podcast you know a bunch of more times um and then this weekend during the draft show for 20 hours of it trying me on as much <laughs> as i can with y'all and soak it all in um Y'all have been just incredible, honestly, for us and this podcast. And we are just so appreciative and so grateful um, for everything. I mean, my Twitter today, I just, I've already sobbed like three times today. It's just been very difficult, but also I'm very, very grateful. It hurts to know that I'm letting a lot of people down. I know that y'all have been so supportive and great, but I also know that, I, you know, it's, it is kind of sudden and I do apologize for that. There was just, there's no really, better way to do it in a lot of ways. It's just, it, it was time for me. That's just all that it was. It was just time for something new. I've gotten to do this for 10 years. I'm extremely grateful for all the opportunities. I've gotten to do unbelievable things and none of it's been better than Peter Report. All the things I've done in my 10 years in this career, it's none of it's been better than Peter Report. It's a special place to work. It's a special team. There'll be new additions that are going to be special to mm. Peter Report. It's going to be awesome. Please, everybody, if you're listening, um, just keep supporting this team. Keep supporting this podcast. I am still going to be involved behind the scenes, helping the transitions and helping to train the staff and a bunch of the people we have now are stepping into new and bigger, better roles. And some are already are, and they're killing it in those roles. And um, I'm going to be helping with all of that stuff for the foreseeable future. And I'll still be on Twitter. And when the draft comes around, I'll still be active in draft coverage. Scott, you and I have talked a lot about what that could look like for me. I don't want to commit to anything at right. this point in time. I just want to be able to go into this next chapter. I know I'm talking a lot here. I just want to be clear with a lot of people about kind of where I'm at and what's on the horizon. I don't want to promise anybody something and not be able to do it. But you and I have talked about what it would look like if I did some draft stuff or yeah. jumped on a pod or some of the game day broadcasts that we do. So mm -hmm. I still feel like there will be some level of connection between myself and Peter Report. Definitely well, behind the scenes. I, I think what you're trying to say, scenes. John, is you're going to wait about 41 days. and About 41 days and we'll see right? how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if I could just say something real quick, um, a couple things. Um, you know, I, I reflected a little bit on uh, on the Pewter Report staff in, in my SRS Fab Five. It turned 50 on Saturday, kind of a milestone birthday. It's it's one of those achievement things. It's like, yeah, I I'm made it to 50. Here, you know? I'm sorry. No, 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 not, not at all. But but my point is, is, is I was writing that, that Fab Five, uh, having the, the opportunity to help uh, develop young writers is, is, is something that, that I um, I enjoy, you know, and, and, and I've had the chance to do that with a lot of, of, uh, of what the, the insider term that we use here at Peter Report is superheroes, right? There's no sidekicks. If you're going to join Peter Report, you got to be a full-fledged superhero. And mm -hmm. John, 
you were an absolute superhero, you know? And, and, and the, the great thing about becoming part of the Pew Report family is when you're part of our family, you know, you don't leave, right? You're, you're part of the, you're always part of the family. You're, you're, you're part of our alumni. And, and that, that invites you to come back whenever you want in any capacity that you want to, right? That just like Trevor Sycamore, right? I mean, uh, and we've had others, the door is always open, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think the great thing is that the challenge for me has always been to, 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 to find more uh, excellent talent and, and really, you know, keep Pewter Report going and growing. And the thing that John has done is he's, is he's not only done that and helped me with that, he's taken it to the next level. I mean, in terms of, of recruiting people, I mean, our stable is as full as it's ever been in terms of great writers. And John's had a huge role in helping to attract those people and train them. And we, like John said, we've got a couple more people kind of waiting in the hopper that are going to be joining the team. And so it's been an awesome experience working with you. Um, you know, your your Bucks briefing column is 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 top notch. It's going to be missed. Your your analyst uh, mindset in terms of not just draft prospects, but in season coverage of the Buccaneers. Uh, you've spearheaded really taking this podcast to YouTube and and uh, and making it the the monster that it is with over eight thousand one hundred subscribers. So, John, you're absolutely going to be missed. There's no doubt about it. At the same time, you're always part of the Peter Report family. And so it's not goodbye. It's see you later. Mm -hmm. But the great thing is you're not going anywhere tonight That's right. or this week. We have a That's full right. week's worth of draft coverage to enjoy you and your analysis. And if you think you're going to if, if you you know, if, if you think that that you've seen um, the last of John Ledyard, no, we're going to be on about 20 hours worth of of Pewter yeah. Report draft shows sponsored by Beef O'Brady's Thursday night, Friday night and Saturday all day. And uh, I just want to say it's been an absolute honor and joy to work with you. And uh, I'm really excited for you. You know, when you told me, John, about, um, you know, the next chapter for you and mm -hmm. Britt and the kids and going back to Pennsylvania, it was definitely bittersweet. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, you know, I, I think that the first thing that I felt was, was just happiness for you, because this is a calling. This is not just a decision. This mm -hmm. is you're being called to do something right. And, and I'm happy for you as, as sad as I am that we're not going to be working together. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled for this opportunity for you because it wasn't an option. It wasn't a choice. Mm -hmm. It truly was a calling. And you explained mm -hmm. that to me, just like you explained it to everybody else. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, no, I appreciate very, that very so much. Very proud of you for making this decision. I understand it. You, you and I have talked about it a long time, mm -hmm. and and I'm just thrilled for you to have this opportunity, and uh, you know, and to to make your heart as full as it can be, and to share your heart with others. That's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. It is. It is what it's all about. It's been all it's, all what it's been about at Pewter Report too. You know that yeah. is one of the key things I think in all of this is just the the relationships that we have in, in our group and uh, our staff, yeah. um, and what's built been built there. And I, that's the part that I'm most proud of and most appreciative of. Honestly, yeah. is that whole group, and we'll have plenty of time with them. Obviously, the yes. draft show and all of that. So I'm looking forward to all that. And yeah. wanted to talk about this today, and I wanted to just kind of get it out there for people, and then. Obviously, you know, I, I'm willing to answer any questions that people have, things like that. If they well, do, I think the biggest thing we have to address, John, is is what Ben is saying. <laughs> Mike Florio is reporting the tension between John Ledyard and Coach Arians is the key reason for his retirement from PR. It was actually double whammy. <laughs> the tension was so high that John's retiring from PR and sports coverage and, and Bruce is retiring from coaching. So neither of us could handle it. <laughs> like that. 
So it's funny. We've laughed about how much like my situation is similar to Bruce's in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of funny, but yeah, no, it, it, it is bittersweet for sure. Um, right now it's just very hard to be honest. Like I just hard to wrap my mind around all of it, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I love this pod and I love what we've built at Peter report so much. Um, it just, it's, it's, it's where I need to, I know I'm doing what I need to do. And um, I appreciate so much all the support and, um, you know, like I said, I'm trying to be as involved as I possibly can be in the transitions. And then I'm definitely not going to be a stranger. I'll always be part of the Peter report and what's happening here because I just love it and, and, and appreciate everything about this place and the fan base so much like Bucks fans are just awesome. Like they just mm-hmm. are like people special, have no man. idea. Special. People have no These idea. Let them talk. Yeah. Are special. They really and are. Let other people talk. I don't care what other people on the outside say about Bucks fans. They're always going to be hating and talking about the ones who are there. Yep. are the best like this truly i haven't worked in other markets and dealt with other fan bases covering the nfl and the steelers and there's just there's not a fan base that i found that's even close to the buck so i just appreciate that got him so i'm gonna get emotional if we keep talking about this yep. we gotta move on we gotta talk about some and i appreciate all these yep. comments you guys are amazing actually we have a great super well. chat here let me just get to a couple of these from leo <laughs> good luck john so two comments second round draft pick for brady laugh my ass off okay chris sims i honestly think brady's gonna retire 45 has always been his end game. John, you and I were talking about this in, in, in our, mm-hmm. our uh, private chat the other day. We we're just texting about it. It just seems like 45 is kind of the number that he put in his mind, Tom Brady, uh, a couple of, of years ago. And he didn't like the way the season ended, obviously. Looked at the landscape in the NFC. It's there for the taking. The division is there for the taking again. Jason Light brought everybody that kind of needed to be back back. It just seems like this is – the last year that we're going to see Tom Brady in in an NFL uniform, not just a Buccaneer uniform. Yeah, I mean, you said it, and Brady said it. I don't have much left. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just don't know, man. Like, that's the dude that's. And I, I honestly, like, if I'm being 100 honest, I hope he hasn't overextended it already. Like, yeah. I, I think he felt that urge as he was retired. He felt that urge to not go out the way that it ended with the, the weirdness of reporting the retirement and all that, and having just lost that game to the Rams and. Yeah. I just hope he hasn't overstretched it. Like I hope that he's yeah. still able to to be as focused and as zeroed in as he always has been, and that he isn't coming back. Like retire on top is great. Don't get me wrong, but there's no guarantee that happens. And obviously, there's a great chance it happens. It's just they have a great roster. There's a very clear chance that that does that could happen for him, and maybe that's all he wants to explore. But if it doesn't go their way, and you need luck, you need lots of things. We saw it last year. Bucks probably would have won the Super Bowl if they had been yeah. healthy or at least been in it. And they didn't, they didn't stay healthy, and that's part of it. And there's just a lot of wrinkles that go into this. And trying to retire on top is tricky. I know maybe he just wants to give one more go and still loves the game, and I hope that yeah. that is the reason it's enough. But even if it is this year, I just think, I don't know. He's always said 45. I think he yeah. just felt that, and I, I I think he'll retire after this year. But we'll see. I there's, uh, there's a I, I just I think, too, John, that I, I almost think Tom Brady wants to kind of do what Peyton Manning did, see his skills decline a little bit. So he can come to grips with, I'm sliding down the hill now. I'm no longer yeah. climbing the hill at 44, right? I'm yeah. sliding down the hill, but I want a Super Bowl. So I'm going to go out now. I think that's I think that's exactly how Tom Brady wants to do this. Is He does not want to lead the league in passing, passing yards, passing touchdowns. Well, maybe touchdowns. But <laughs> he, he doesn't want to drop back that many times, throw the ball that many times. I think that he wants to, in his mind, have a little justification. Ah, oh, statistically, it wasn't the same as it was in – in 2021 and mm-hmm. we won the super bowl okay giselle let's ride off <laughs> that could be what happens honestly like <laughs> I, I hope that he gets that storybook ending like i told you yeah. that would be just perfect for that career and 
for the Bucks tenure and everything. And we'll see what happens. Honestly, it's going to be fascinating to watch and discover, but that is something that's being talked about right now. That second round pick obviously is pretty laughable at report, yeah. but I think the, the bigger picture will be the free agency after this draft where the Bucks did restructure them and they didn't extend them. And I just think that that there's a lot, people are looking at that and oh, he wants to be a free agent. Maybe. Yeah, sure. That's maybe a fraction of it, but I just don't know if either side knows that he's going to play beyond this year and you don't want to be on the, on the, on the scoop for more in the terms yeah. of the cap. So I think it's a wise decision for both sides right now. And we'll just see how this year progresses. That's all. That's right. There's the That's focus right. on right now. All right, let's get to this seven round mock All draft right. here. This okay. is uh this is this took us a while, Scott. And it did. It did. We came and, up and, with and what listen, the first it, round pick but is. Listen, in full full disclosure, I write the whole thing, but uh John and I spend countless hours. We spent countless hours this offseason, not just watching film, but you and I talking and texting and yeah. kind of understanding the methodology and all of this. And 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 honestly, I think we've driven some of what we've seen in the mock drafts out there. I think that that you know you're probably the first one to to put Zion Johnson on the map as a potential Bucks pick. And you know, we had Lewis Seen in there as well in another mock draft. I think that we were probably one of the first ones there to to do that. Um, some of those guys ended up in our, our Bucks uh, best bets, not necessarily Zion Johnson. We'll get into that in a second, but but we went with Logan Hall and Let's talk a little bit about our, our methodology, John. I'll let you start and I'll kind of fill in the blanks. Yeah, I think with Logan Hall, the biggest thing was this. We know the Bucs are looking for pass rush help, especially on the interior. Bruce Aarons was clear about that at the combine. That has continued to resonate with us. Yes. What they're looking for is also clear. Athleticism, upfield penetration ability, quickness, pass rush, three technique type of player uh, to partner with Vita Vea. That's pretty much all describes Logan Hall. You know, I wish he was a little bit twitchier off the ball, but I think that could be the case with some tweaks to his stance. His stance is a little bit too square maybe at Houston, and a lot of college players will play that way and then get a little bit quicker off the ball in the NFL because it's a, basically a pass rush league. Um, yeah. And so I think – at, at the same time, get off is something you can teach and get better with. That That's that's a, yeah, especially a, a snap trait timing that you can and, – Yeah, yeah you there, can get better at that. Right. There are definitely paths forward for that for him, and he's obviously a very good athlete. Uh, what stands out the most to me with him is just how low he's able to play in the run game despite being 6'6", like yeah. he is very flexible. Um, he needs to get a little bit stronger, but going into 283 and then maintaining his athleticism was a huge win at the Combine. Having said all this, Scott, like, yes, I think this fit makes sense. They've been the top 30 visit. They've had interviewed him at the Combine. There's obviously been the interest there. He fits the prototype. Um, I, I don't know if I'd be wild about this pick if it actually happened. This Remember, this is a predictive yep. mock from us. This is not right. what we would do if we were the Bucks GM. We are guessing and predicting that Logan Hall will be the Bucks' first round pick. We don't think it's the only option. We'll get to some of the other right. options in a second. But that's what this is. This is predictive in nature. Yep. So I would not be crazy about this pick, but I think there's a high probability that this is the pick for the Bucks if he's on the board at 27. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jason Light tries to – trade back a few spots mm -hmm. maybe sure. with Detroit right at 32 Detroit comes up and gets a quarterback maybe a Desmond Ritter you know maybe a, a Sam Howell whoever and then all of a sudden Jason Light has another middle round pick because that's what he values and then you get Logan Hall at 32 I would love that situation I would feel much better about that getting him a couple spots back getting extra draft capital for that and the thing is is when you look at at the fact we talk about Indomitian Sioux and, and how the Bucks will have to replace Sammy's 35. If he resigns, we, we believe he will. 
Hmm. Steve McClendon is is 36. Not sure if they're going to bring him back yet. Obviously, Sue is the priority. Will Golston had a chance to talk to him last night at length at the uh, Bruce Arians Family Foundation Gala. And he's in great shape, right? Will's 31, though. He'll be 31 this year and is in his 10th year. And when I look at this guy right here, I mean, that's Will Golston, folks, right there. Number 92, <laughs> he looks like Will Golston. And when you same weight, the, same height, just about when they came, really coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Will got a little heavier. Since yeah. He's problem. well, although he looked, he looked about 290 last yeah. night. He's looked in oh, very should good ask shape. Him, should ask him how, you know, I guess if Hall's the pick, we'll definitely ask him. Like, yeah. Hey, you have similar body types. What's it take to get the 300 or whatever? It, exactly. And, and the thing is Hall played at Houston at about 265, 270, then got up to 283. And I think a lot of people believe that he can, with this frame, get bigger, add more size, add more bulk. Uh, again, you look at that 92, it looks very much like Will Golston. So then you sit there and say, well, why in the world would you want to draft you know, a Will Golston type in the first round, right? I mean, that's – well, I'll tell you why. Will Golston has been a 10-year starter in Tampa Bay. If you can get a 10-year starter uh, yeah. in, in, in late in the first round, like that that's money in, in mm-hmm. the NFL. And, and especially this late in the first round. And I think Will Golston, four and a half sacks last year. That was his career high. I, I think you and I both agree, John, this is a guy that has better upside as a pass rusher. He had six sacks last year for Houston, was a bit of a late bloomer. And the thing is, is he's 22 years old. So as I wrote in the mock, if Devontae Hall, I'm sorry, Devontae Hall, if Devontae Wyatt from Georgia isn't there, Logan Hall might be the pick. But I'm telling you, John, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Logan no. Hall is the guy over Devontae Wyatt for a couple reasons. As you pointed out in our texting the other day, Devontae Wyatt's over 24 years old. The The oldest player Jason Light's drafted in the first round is Vita Vea, who is special. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is like 20 and 21. Yeah, and Vea was 23, which is older right. for a prospect, but yeah. he just turned but 23. special. Yeah. Almost everybody else has been young. Under, yeah, almost everybody else has been underclassmen. Like. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the first round, I just I don't think that they won't draft Devontae Wyatt. I just don't think it's the stone cold lock if he's on the board right. that other people think. Yeah. There are questions. Devontae Wyatt has had stuff in the past with his character. I don't know where that's at now. Hopefully, it's better. There are certainly talk that it's better, but there's also talk that when we ask to ask around and talk to people that are very much in the know, he was not 100% dialed in at Georgia, and then this past year he got yeah. dialed in and he had his best year, but. You mentioned the sack production, and I think when you marry that with what's on tape, it's legitimate. He has great traits, yeah. but he's not a great pass rusher right now. And also the right. scheme altered that. Everybody's production was spread out. They, those guys a lot of the time were decoys so the linebackers could get sacks. That's right. That's kind of yeah. how they worked in Georgia. <laughs> but true. still, yeah. there are opportunities to win one-on-one, and he doesn't always do that. The traits are clearly there. Physically and athletically, he's definitely who they would draft, Devont, speaking to Devontae Wyatt here. Yeah. But – there are other things that are peripheral concerns with him that don't exist with Logan Hall, who his coaches rave about. The work ethic's been yeah. there. He's put on weight since he's been there. I definitely think he can get to 290. I know supply and demand asks, can he get to 290, 300? Yes, yeah. I think he can get to 290, 300. That, that's mm-hmm. definitely in the cards for him. So there's a lot of outcomes for Logan Hall that could be better. And you mentioned Will Golston, and I know some people are going to compare him because of the reasons you mentioned with the size and the, and the height and everything. I do think Hall is just a better athlete. There's a higher ceiling there for him. Yeah. I also wonder if Will Golson had better coaching early in his career, would he be more closer to the player we've seen the last two years? Who's a pretty good player. Still nobody would take Will Golson in the first round for sure. Right. Um, and I think Hall is a higher ceiling, but 
obviously if you, if he just becomes Will Golston in his career, that's probably not good enough for a first rounder, but you're right. right with the longevity. That's, you know, that's obviously something that's important. It wouldn't be the worst pick ever either. Sure. But I do wonder if Golson had better coaching in his career and was allowed to it's funny, work John. the way that he does now, <laughs> primarily as a three technique right now, yep. if uh, he would have thrived earlier in his career. Exactly. And and the thing is, is, is Will and I were actually talking about that last night. The mm. first good coach he had was not till Joe Cullen in 2014, 2014 and 2015. And then he had a lull until Casey oh. Rogers got here. So he told me last night out of about the f- the five or six defensive line coaches he's had in Tampa, he's only had two good ones. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, and I remember talking to, to Joe Cullen about this. And also, we, Will and I talked about it last night. If Joe Cullen had stayed on with Dirk Cutter's staff in 2016, he would have put weight on Will and put him at three technique. There was a game against the Atlanta Falcons where Will Golston had two and a half sacks and a forced fumble on Matt Ryan and really was more at home as an interior player, as a three technique, than he was as a 4-3 defensive end, like they tried to make him under Lovey Smith and Mike Smith mm-hmm. and, and Greg Schiano's staff, et cetera. And what you're seeing now with Will Golston, he really plays a 4-I, which is uh, it's, it's inside of, of the tackle, in that that B gap, it's mm-hmm. almost like a three technique. It's just a, shaded out a little bit further, and he is an interior player. But the thing is, when you look at at, at Logan Hall, John, he can play the true three technique like an Indomitian Sioux. He also can play the four I and the five I, which is where you've got that that defensive end um, in between in that C gap between the tight end and the tackle in some formations, usually double tight uh, formations. Um, and so I, I like the versatility. I think with Devontae Wyatt, he's pretty much just a B-gap three-tech defensive tackle, the way he's built. But with the longer size of Logan Hall, I, I even think, too, if you want some packages where he's a big uh, you know, edge guy, he and Anthony mm-hmm. Nelson in kind of like third and short situations, I, I just think he's a lot more versatile and flexible for a Todd Bowles defense than Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, what his lack of length is kind of a funny thing about him because of his frame. Like just the fact that he doesn't have very long arms, especially yeah. for his frame, is a little bit goofy. I think that would help him a lot. You know, I think both guys are are plenty flexible and you could move them around. I I don't know. They could take Wyatt. I mean, there's no question. If you ask me right now, Scott, who are the top five guys? that are on the board for the Bucs if the draft falls, kind of as many have predicted it. You and I kind of came up with this list, and I think we're still in agreement a couple days after we talked about it, about it. But Logan Hall, Devontae Wyatt, Traylon Burks, if he's there, I don't think he's going to be there, but we'll see. (laughs) Trey McBride, who I know a lot of people think that's early for him and probably early for Hall. And then Lewis Seen, the safety from Georgia. I think – do we both? You still agree those are probably the top five players? Yeah, yeah. I agree. And there's other names we've talked about um, that we think could be on the board. We should let our pewter people know, John, that we – we came this close to putting Trey McBride in there at number 27 for the Buccaneers. We and, did. Yeah. And I would not be surprised too if the Buccaneers went that that way. And and our, our reasoning for that was is uh, if the board plays out as we expect, where Jordan Davis and potentially Devontae White are gone, and we think this team likes Logan Hall better than Travis Jones. So then at 27, you have a choice between defensive tackle three or tight end one. And in this year's draft class at tight end, I think you're in agreement with me on this, that that there's a lot of number two tight ends, maybe one or two guys that have the potential to, to really be a number one. Mm-hmm. Trey McBride is one of those with his athleticism, 
with the production he had catching the ball and and just his workmanlike ability. He's he's an overall tight end. He loves to block as much as he does yeah. catch the ball, and he had 91 catches last year. Yeah, he's just a box fit to the max. Like that's why it's so hard for us to to say, oh, they'll pass on him at 27. They might. I mean, they might try to wait and get him at 60. They might move back and try to get him. They might move up from 60 and try to get him after they made a first-round pick. Yeah. All those things are possible because I just think they are going to want to come out of this draft with this guy. So yeah. is he the top priority? I think he's the top priority at tight end. I'd be shocked right. if he isn't the top priority at tight end. Is he top priority in the draft for them? I'm not sure. But with McBride, who I've just kind of warmed to more and more, the more I've seen him, I don't know that there's this sky-high ceiling, but he's – probably going to be good like he yeah. just is a very competent all-around player he's got to improve as a route runner but he makes contested catches he has great ball skills he almost never drops the football he addresses right. he can get the ball behind him in the air he's got the leaping ability and athleticism there's enough speed here ran four five six at his pro day even if you tack on a little bit to that i mean a four six tight end is a plenty fast tight end in yeah. any nfl especially today's where you're often got guys rolling down in the box and he can take advantage of those situations so I, I really think that in this system, this is exactly what they look for. This is the ideal yeah. blend of blocking and nastiness, edginess, mm -hmm. and receiving ability that they look for. And that's why I think that's right. McBride is going to be very high in the minds of the Bucs coaches and scouts. Yeah. And I think because of that, there is a chance that they take him at 27, even though I know that's high for a lot of people mm -hmm. and probably and high for me too. I don't yeah. have him in that, that range of the draft. So We'll see how that part of it shakes out with the tight end group. Obviously, some I was, I was told last night at the Arians uh, Family uh, Foundation Gala, and and everybody was there, right? Jason Light, John Spitek, Mike Beal, yeah. Mike Greenberg, Rob McCartney. Um, they had some scouts there. Alex Smith was there, former Buccaneer, who's in the scouting department now. Uh, a bunch of coaches. Um, I had one person in the know tell me this is going to be the most unpredictable draft, and you will see players in the first round that get drafted in the first round that will draft quote unquote second round players. But the reality of it is, is there is a bunch of, of those guys that are uh, second round players that teams believe will, will actually be first round players because there's about 15, 18 true classic first round players, uh, first round caliber graded players in this draft. And then there's probably about, 40 second round caliber players. Yeah. Uh, that's really where, where the meat, uh, the richness of this draft is second, third and fourth round. So, um, and, and I think that's where people get frustrated. Scott, they say, yeah. Oh, McBride's not a star. Like he's not going to be an elite tight end. Okay. Who's going to be elite. That's a 27. Like there's a chance for some guys to maybe scene gets there. Maybe yeah. Wyatt gets there, but those aren't guarantees. I don't have them as first round graded players yeah. for me. I'm obviously a very stingy grader, but I don't have them as elite player potential grades. That's what right. first round grades are for me or special grades for me, which are you know, no players in this class so far. I don't think right. um, have, have that designation for me where Jamar Chase had it last year, you know, yeah. uh, like generational type hits. players, generational type players. Yeah. Players that are going to be probably are going to absolutely be in the top tier at their position in right. the NFL for most of their careers. In my opinion, like yeah. that, I don't see any player like that. And I don't see any, uh, there's hardly any players, maybe nine or ten to me, that have I got a first-round grade, which means they could be a high-quality starter. This one's the fast, fast riser up the draft boards right here. <laughs> this is the new Celsius Arctic Vibe people. Okay, Now, they say this is a, a limited edition, but I'm telling you, I, I think this is going to be here to stay. This this is a new top five for me. Um, I'm almost like Dane Brugler, where I have 
more than five in my top five, John, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, 120 round one. Yeah, I've got like <laughs> 10, 10 of these uh, awesome Celsius tasty uh, energy beverages in my top five. Yeah. So why is it not a top 10? Because they're all top five. Like, okay. Orange is number one. But Arctic Vibe is 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 up there. And, and the thing about this is what you love about the Arctic Vibe is it's the same thing as the other Celsius drinks. Different flavor, but same great flavor. You get the same energy, no sugar, no preservatives. And you know what that means? It means no sugar crash. And that's important because there's a lot of energy drinks out there that will give you the energy and you regret it a couple uh, hours later when you're ready to take a nap. Mm. The other thing, too, is, is the fast bars at Celsius. Now, um, I haven't had one of these fast bars in a while, John. Do you know why? How come? You're out of them? Yes, I ate them all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's my problem, too. Yeah, not just me, but uh, everyone in my family. Mm -hmm. And yep. so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Amazon and I'm going to buy some more. And the great thing about this is if you go there and use the promo code 5FASTLANE, that's 5FASTLANE, you're going to save $5 off a 12-pack. And that's from today through the end of May. Okay, so we'll have a link later in the uh, in the description here. But if you go to Amazon and you use the promo code Five Fast Lane, you'll save five dollars off a twelve pack. Now they they come in two fantastic flavors, and these are the best protein bars that that you can find in terms of taste and protein. And you've got the the white chocolate cookies and cream, and you've got the salted peanut caramel or salted caramel peanut crunch right and two fantastic flavors um i highly recommend washing them down with the celsius and the great <laughs> thing is you can get them both on amazon use that promo code to save five dollars off and while you're on amazon grab a case or two or four of celsius and do the subscribe and save once you know the flavors you like or if you don't know what flavors you like yet get the assorted flavors They'll send you a whole bunch. You can try them. Then you do the subscribe and save. They ship them right to your door and you save money. Great stuff. Celsius, they're the best. You all know that. Uh, most of y'all are fans already. If you're not yet, uh, definitely get out there and try it. Here's a good comment here from Ben Lieber. The Intel on a Jabo in Scott's article is interesting. What are your thoughts on number 27? You and I talked a little bit about this this morning, mm -hmm. Scott, just kind of throwing around a Jabo. I believe it's fair for us to designate him as the wild card potential pick at 27 yep. for the Bucks in this class. There is no question if he were fully healthy, this would probably be a box best bet for us, or at least in the conversation for well, that, it would be up there. But he also yeah. might be off the board if he were I fully healthy. I think he'd healthy. be off the board if he were healthy, yeah. And it's um, not just any injury with him. It's a torn Achilles, which is yes. different than an ACL in terms yes. of the recovery. Don't care about what happened with Cam Akers. That is still very abnormal. People yeah, that were like, Look at O.J. Oh. Howard. He wasn't <laughs> right. the same player. Sure, exactly. A lot. It's a very tough recovery for most people. Akers made it back, and it was freakish. And hopefully yeah. that becomes the norm. That'd be awesome. It is not the norm yet. There's no reason for teams to expect that to be the norm. So we're going to go with the larger sand and say this is going to be a probably a, a season-ending injury for Jabo in terms of he'll maybe we could come back late in the year. But yeah. at that point, why would a team want to throw him into the mix at that point? We'll see how things progress. But either way, right. you're not counting on him for sure as of yeah. you're the right. This is an injury that didn't happen at the yeah. end of last year. Correct. This happened, happened in March at right? his pro day. Yeah. yeah. So it, well, it's not was, like he even had four like or end five. of March. Yeah, like exactly. That's, yeah, so it's it's not even. So like he probably a he probably is out for the year, the, right? The, and so you, if you take him in the first round, you still have a four year control of him if you use the fifth year option eventually right. on him. So, but if you don't, if you wait, 
then you're gonna have three years under contract for three years and it's just different he's a developmental player and some people are like oh he probably wasn't gonna help a team much in year one anyway to a degree he's a developmental player and i argue that that would makes it even actually worse because now he hasn't been able to spend any time on the field this year and then right. he's gonna need next year to develop and so it actually rather than being a player that could just hit the ground running when yeah. he comes off that injury so there's just too many questions for us here to feel confident that the Bucks would take him. Yeah. Do they like him though? They like him. Yeah, they like him. No question, all. they like him. So <laughs> yes. we'll see. I don't know what yeah. that will mean, but mm-hmm. I don't think they want a redshirt player. Yeah, but they like I, him, John. So. I I think it would have been different if Tom Brady didn't come back, right? Maybe. I think yeah. if if well, Brady had not have come back, you know, they're kind of like, okay, well, well, we're kind of not. We don't use the word rebuild. We're in reload. Okay, whatever. Whatever term you want to use, you're in the post-Brady era, right? Yeah. But when Brady comes back, you're in the Super Bowl's open window, right? I mean, that's uh that's what that's where this team is at right now. So I, I think they've got to they've got to get a player that will help them this year and have have an impact there. Mm-hmm. And and I think we need to pause real real quick. And that's kind of why. We didn't go with Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green in our Bucks best bet for an offensive guard, and we didn't put one in our mock draft uh, early because they've got three players in uh, in Aaron Stinney and Nick Leverett and Robert Hainsey, last year's third-round pick, to choose from to have a, a pretty good battle royale in training camp. And and the reality of it is, and John, uh, if you remember, Jason Light said this at his press conference, you, do, you don't know who these guys are until you get them in the building. You can draft a guy, yeah. but but you just don't know. You want to pencil a guy in as a, as a first-year starter. It doesn't always happen. I mean, John Ross comes to mind in Cincinnati. He wasn't ready to play. He was a bust you know, yeah. with the Bengals. I don't think Zion Johnson would be a bust. But the thing is, when you're yeah. drafting a guard in the first round, if Aaron Stanley beats him out or Robert Hainsey or whoever – if your first round pick, Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, if he does not win that starting job, he's on the bench his rookie season. That's it. He's not helping you. Whereas if you get a player like a Lewis Seen from Georgia, he yeah. can rotate in with Keanu rotate. O'Neal. Packages. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Logan Hall can rotate in with Will Golston and uh, uh, and Dom Kinsu. Um, Traylon yeah. Burks could see the field as wide receiver four. W- with a guard, though, if he's not your day one starter mm-hmm. and doesn't become a starter, it's a red shirt year for your number one pick. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, and I do, by the way, think I would be shocked if Zion Johnson didn't eventually, at least by the time a couple weeks of the season got underway, just because of my opinion of him beat out those guys. But I think it's a reason why you don't pick Kenyon green if he's there, yeah. because Kenyon green is not as technically ready or advanced right. as Zion Johnson is. And so, yeah, you're absolutely going to need some of your development and there's no guarantee even though he's a much higher ceiling than their other options it's why i argued for against him uh drafting him in a weekend article that i wrote at pewter report is just that i don't think he matches the timeline for the team and i think that's an important part of drafting you can't get so caught up in it but i do think it's an important part of drafting not only that scott i'll add this to what you're saying there i think the bucks don't feel like they have to use a high value asset on their fifth offensive lineman they feel like they have four guys who are all under contract who are still young enough and capable enough uh, and healthy enough for them to thrive with this offensive line for the foreseeable future. And they don't feel like at this time that fifth player has to be a bona fide stud or star in terms right. of, of asset allocation, where they want to prioritize value. Mm-hmm. I don't believe the fifth offensive lineman fits that bill for them. Could they take one in the third round, fourth round? Absolutely. And develop another guy. 
Absolutely, they could. They believe right. in their ability to develop offensive linemen, I, I think. But yeah. I don't see that happening in round one, regardless of who's on the board or how they feel about it. I just think they're going to prioritize and look at other yeah. positions at that point in the draft. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and um, you know, I, I also think, too, that Jason Light, knowing him like I do, maybe he will prove me wrong. I think that you're going to see a defensive player for Todd Bowles in the first round. And and I think it's, it's going to be, yeah. you know, Hall. Yeah. I think they want to do that. If the board yeah. Monte allows Wyatt, them Lewis to, seen, to I think that. one of those three players will. Yeah. Let's talk about scene uh, because yeah. this is a popular, a lot of people asking about him in the chat and rightfully so we mentioned him. We, we said the two offensive players, yeah. McBride and Burks talked about Hall and Wyatt. And he was our first round pick in, in our last mock draft. Mm-hmm. For yeah. the Bucks prior to this last yeah. one here, and seeing will well, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. He'll he'll be a Bucks best bet as well for us. We yeah. feel pretty strongly that the Bucks like him. This would very easily be the first round pick. Would not surprise us at all if this was. Here's the thing with seeing that's interesting. Here's the thing with safety that's interesting. This was my one question with our final. Whenever we finish our final seven round mock draft, we always have one thing that if this happens, mm-hmm. it'll be what bites us in terms of yeah. could have the ripple effect. <laughs> right. What could bite us in this mock is just not quite knowing what's going to happen at safety with this team. They have put some resources into it. Logan Ryan, they've said, is not a replacement for Jordan White and not a pure safety, but will he right. play safety? Mike Edwards is not a strong safety, but will he play strong safety? Will he play yeah. free safety? And will Winfield play some strong safety? And how much do they count on Keanu Neal? The contract suggests not a lot. They don't necessarily want to pen, put him in pen as a starter. So mm-hmm. it seems like there's enough question marks there where they could draft a safety in the first round. Or maybe they don't draft one at all, but I kind of think they are going to draft one. And we didn't really have as one of the high value picks in this draft, like a safety in there for the Bucks. And if there's one thing that shakes up this mock for us, it's a safety instead of maybe them taking a corner like we had in the third round. Yeah. And so there that could shift everything around a little bit to where all of a sudden D tackles later or tight end gets bumped down to the third round and D tackles in the second. Maybe that's win free. And then in the third round, it's a tight end like Kate Otten or Jeremy Ruckert or mm-hmm. maybe Jelani Woods and then running backs in the fourth or something. It could shift things around if they take right. a tight end early and scene would would probably be that guy in our opinion. Yeah, I agree. And and I, I think the thing too is with with Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean being in contract years, I don't think the team wants to necessarily add someone this year. I don't think Todd Bowles is afraid of playing rookie cornerbacks. He did that in 2019 mm-hmm. with those players. Yeah. So Got I think that, Hargraves and Stewart. Oh, well, that's Stewart right. Wasn't, yeah, yeah. Wasn't a rookie, but yeah, all those guys. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think that he would be opposed to to drafting a rookie next year and and, mm-hmm. and playing that rookie if he got the right guy. But I think that the Buccaneers, especially with Sean Murphy Bunting losing half a season, and he was a second round pick, and Jamel Dean missing parts of four games with various injuries. They would love to give these guys an opportunity to play as many of the 17 games as possible to give them the the truest evaluation before either throwing money at these guys and re-signing them or kicking them to the curb in free agency because they have time invested in them. They have high day two draft picks, Sean Murphy bunting again, second round, Jim Dean, third round. They want to give these guys the opportunity to either put up or shut up and, if you draft another cornerback, especially the first, second round, whatever, there's going to be the impetus to get that guy on the field. And I'm not saying that's that's a bad thing. Competition is always a great thing, but it almost seems like you're going to be pushing one of those guys out the door quickly if you get a first or second round cornerback mm-hmm. in there for the Buccaneers right now. So, well, we went third round, right, for that deal. Um, yes. And 
added to the room, a player that That's you've right. been very fond of. I've been fond of what I've seen from him, Cam Taylor Britt um, from Nebraska. Um, not necessarily, I mean, again, this is a guy who is not necessarily physically the prototype that, the, that you'd think of, like with yeah. Wyatt. He's physically the prototype. Hall, maybe it's not who you'd expect based on Bruce Aaron's description, but I think he still fits the bill. That's kind of like Taylor Britt. Like physically, we're kind of, we've been looking at bigger, longer corners, but his right. arm length was actually great. He's very stout. Yes. Even though he's not tall, he still has length and he competes in the air. I mean, for the ball, I think that's one of the biggest things about him. The double moves are sometimes a concern on tape, right? He gets beat yeah. and he gives up some plays, but he's smart and he's physical and he's aggressive. I think a lot of corners will do that in college. They take their chances. They're making their splash plays. He makes some splash plays. Right. He'll give a couple up, but I think it's all teachable stuff if I watch it. Yeah, and he's a physical cornerback too, and he's physical in coverage. He's also very physical in run support as well, and and I think that's important because if you, if you remember – uh, one of the, the biggest complaints last year with this Buccaneer defense was just the missed tackles, not just in the defensive front, but also in the secondary. Mm-hmm. And this this is a player that that can also make some plays from the nickel and and uh, um, and rush the quarterback. Three uh, actually had two and a half sacks uh, in his career and finished with five interceptions, including a pick six. He'll make some tackles for loss. He had 11 pass breakups last year. He's not the six-foot-one cornerback that you typically would see Todd Bowles want from a Jamel Dean, from a Carlton Davis. But I think this guy has the ability, because he's played safety earlier in his career, he can play in the slot, and I think that's where the Buccaneers would try him out first. I think they would, they would use him as a reserve outside cornerback and then I think they would give him a shot to compete with Sean Murphy Bunting and Logan Ryan in the slot as well. Just because sometimes when you have those bigger, taller guys, John, you know this, six one, six foot two guys, the long legs, they can't turn and transition and and keep up with the quicker guys in the slot. You know, uh, sometimes you got to be a little bit more agile in the slot. And I think him being five eleven and some change, mm-hmm. he's probably built more for the slot than he is, or I, I should say, some of the other corners that they could draft, a Kyer Elam, um, a, a Tariq Woolen from UTSA, who's a bigger guy at 6'2". So I think that there's some position flexibility here. I think he can be an, an inside and outside corner for the Buccaneers. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I, I'll i be pretty – it would be pretty cool if this happened, I think. <laughs> this one, this would be a nice little hit for us because he's an interesting yeah. player. It's just – there's some, t- yeah. there's some, been some talk, like, could he be a safety in the NFL? Like that, mm-hmm. that could be a possibility for him too, at some point, if things don't work at corner. So where is he going to go? You know, there's some talk he'd be fourth round. There's talk he could be late second round. Like it's, yeah. he has a kind of a, lo- a a wide range of different, there's not been like a ton of buzz per se, right. just when you look at grades and projections from experts, they do seem to be somewhere in that second to fourth round range in terms of where people like him, probably depending on what games they've seen of him and such. So yeah, I, I, I like this pick. I don't know if they'll draft a corner if they do though. I think he will be uh, kind of high on their, on their radar would be my guess. Yep. I, I think they're going to come away with a corner or a safety this year. We've had a safety and we had, again, we had Lewis seen in the mock uh, two mocks ago, but, um, but, but this, this year or this mock we're, we're sticking with him. He was in our, our last mock in the third round. Uh, Robbie has got uh, two draft questions. What Bucks first rounder had the most surprising career? 
and what Bucks first round pick surprised you the most at the time? Hmm. That's hmm. probably first a rounder for had the me. most surprising. Since I'm career. the old man. Yeah. Well, especially um, when first rounder had the most surprising career. This could be good or bad. This could be yeah. go both ways. Was there a player they took in the first round that you thought would be terrible and then was great, or that you thought would be great and then was terrible? Um, I'm just trying to think who comes to mind here. Um, you know, Dabin Joseph was was a guard, first mm-hmm. round pick. He he was a two time Pro Bowl, a really good guard too. I mean, like he was he was on the verge of kind of becoming one of those elite players at the guard position that had a nasty preseason injury that just derailed his career and cut his career short by about three years. I think Ali Marpet mm-hmm. was probably like a hair better than he was, mm-hmm. but he was kind of like in that same kind of like could have been a star yeah yeah exactly yeah um so i you know i i didn't i didn't appreciate davin as much at oklahoma um and and it turned out to be well here's the crazy thing it was it was john gruden's only in seven years john he only drafted one pro bowl player for the buccaneers that's a big reason why john gruden got fired is the talent just stopped uh so I, i would say he probably had the most surprising career and then, uh, which f- Bucks first round pick surprised you the most? Like the time? when it was made, which pick? Yeah, were you, I, wow, I would say, like that was. I would say best two. Bet. Michael Clayton stands out because Ooh. that was that was a very questionable pick. I think he was like 14th overall or 16th, mm-hmm. something he was like that. In that range, yeah. And then the other one was Cadillac Williams on my birthday. Yeah, ruined my birthday. <laughs> he was the. Third, you talk about this a lot, yeah. He was the third running back taken with In the, the top five pick. <laughs> John Gruden, what are you doing? Just even imagine Bruce this Allen, can you break? <laughs> Monty Kiffin about had a heart attack. Yeah. Okay. Because at the senior bowl now, they fell in love with, and I'm telling you right now, if if Carnell Williams did not have the nickname Cadillac, he would not have been drafted by Tampa Bay. John Gruden just has these little idiosyncrasies. Yeah. And I love John. I do. But, but it just I, I want to drive in love a with Cadillac, that, yeah. man. I want to want to drive a Cadillac through Tampa Bay, man. That's just that's just part of it. And who would have been the pick if they didn't take him? Demarcus Ware, who <laughs> Monty that's Kiffin, Monty Kiffin coached him at the Senior Bowl that year. You know, Jeez. I'm telling you right now, this guy, he's the second coming, second coming Simeon Rice. I'm telling you, you want to, you want the Simeon Rice? You draft Demarcus Ware at Troy. You draft Demarcus Ware at Troy. He's gonna, he's the Simeon Rice. He'll get after the quarterback now. He'll sack the quarterback. That was the pick right there, and they blew it. Simeon Rice went, uh, I think, tenth overall that year. All right, Demarcus Ware. I'm sorry. Yes, Demarcus yeah. Ware was the right. next Simeon Rice for Monty mm-hmm. Kiffin, but didn't happen. Wow, that's a killer. That's a that's a rough one to look back on. Uh, tall NFL guy says with a five dollar super chat, if the pick is McBride, I hope they can trade down. Yeah, we've kind of said this. We don't necessarily address it every time we talk about the pick. Yeah, but it's just out there. Like if the Bucks can trade down, they'll probably trade down if if yeah. they can. Just a lot of questions as to whether they will. Now, one thing that would be good for the Bucs, there were some reports today that from some of the – now I can't remember who it was, but somebody said that's in the know, like worked for one of the major media companies, said they wouldn't be surprised if the first quarterback comes out the board at 20. That's mm-hmm. wild. Yeah, That would change things for the Bucs because if the Fair quarterbacks way. are all sitting there in the 20s, all of a sudden teams are going to say, okay, I get a little trade up here, but I might get quarterback of the future late in the first yeah. without having to use my top asset that I already drafted mm-hmm. You know, at the top of the first – and I get the fifth-year option for a guy that's probably going to need some developmental time. Yeah, That changes some things if that happens. So you don't want the quarterbacks to not go ahead of you, but you just want them to fall far enough so the teams get greedy and come Here's, here's the thing, and, and I think you're going to see the Panthers, they're really contemplating Baker Mayfield. 
because they would rather draft an offensive tackle, which they need, right? Yeah. For that aw- mm-hmm. awful offensive line. They're, they they're in a prime yeah. position to draft, you know, either an Evan Neal. I mean, they, they can get one of the top tackles at number six. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is they don't pick again until the third round. Like, so all the good quarterbacks, well, if, if they are good, all the mediocre quarterbacks in this draft last are going to be gone. So, they would love to get Baker Mayfield and then have Mayfield and Sam Darnold as their quarterbacks and not have to spend the sixth overall draft pick on Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. Uh, they just want to avoid that. Right. I, right. I think you're in agreement with that, John. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, I, and if that happens, if Carolina does not draft a quarterback at six, then I think that scenario does happen. John, yes. I think there's a slew of other players drafted ahead of the quarterbacks. And, and Tampa so, Bay could be in a good position at 27. Well, teams, teams are going to want to hit a, get ahead of the Lions. Lions yeah. are 32, remember? It's not very right. often that one of the worst teams in the league that clearly needs a quarterback picks at 32. That's <laughs> very rare. So it is a rare yeah. kind of wrinkle in this draft. And I've mm-hmm. already been told by people that I very much trust the Lions at 32 are looking to see what quarterbacks are going to be on the board because they feel like any of those guys, the top five basically are good options for them and they feel like yep. they can nab somebody so they have to jump up a couple spots to stay ahead of people mm-hmm. or jump up a couple spots to solidify that they've got the two you know remember they're picking a two as well so right. they're going to feel like if they got two and they got a guy at 27 or 28 or 29 or something in that range their quarterback there they're going to feel like they won the draft no matter what they right. give up to get up a couple spots so it's all possible the bucks want to trade they would love to get logan hall or trey mcbride and a trade down and then get the other one at 60 or yep. something like this yeah. Um, it might, it might be a thing too, where they trade back a couple picks, get Logan Hall, they acquire a mid round pick, then use that mid round pick in the second rounder to move up mm-hmm. in the second rounder to get Trey McBride and get yeah. both their guys. I can yeah. see that. I happening. mean, a myriad of options definitely on the board for the Bucks. Let's yep. keep rolling and get to the fourth yep. round pick for the Bucks here. Uh, a running back. This yep. is a guy that That's I am not, not totally sure how I feel about him becoming an every down guy. Definitely a receiving option. I think you need some polish, some refinement. You like him. We know the Bucks have talked to him and visited with him, and it's definitely yeah. an option, even though he probably wouldn't be my top choice. I think he could be an option for the team on day three. Yeah, it's one of those those things where we have we've had we started off with with Rashad White in our first mock draft as a running back pick for the Buccaneers. And we've also had uh in there uh, Damian Pierce uh, and Isaiah Spiller. Those are some guys that we've had in our mocks. We think the Buccaneers are going to draft one of these three players, John. And we had Isaiah Spiller as as our rounds one through three, Bucks best bet, and then Damian Pierce, who maybe could be a third rounder, but certainly I think will be a fourth rounder. He was our running back, Bucks best bet in rounds four through seven. Again, we're trying to be predictive here, and so we already have those two running backs going in the Bucks best bet. So we're going to stick Rashad White in to the mock draft and just again educate buccaneer fans this is a guy on the radar they have brought in a slew of running backs they interviewed a slew of running backs at the combine remember giovanni bernard only signed for this year i think he's 30 31 years old Mm -hmm. so they'd love to have a long-term guy i think to pair with leonard fournette all of a sudden Keyshawn vaughn entering year three i don't necessarily believe the the team, when they say that he could be a lead back, <laughs> they've brought in way too many running backs, John, to convince me otherwise. They want another guy, I think, yeah. to challenge Keyshawn Vaughn for carries. And the other thing, too, is they saw what life was like without Leonard Fournette last year at the end of the season. And, yeah, outside of that Carolina game where 
where Keyshawn Vaughn had a nice big touchdown run, 50-some yards. But you take that run away, and he's averaging about three yards per carry. I just think mm-hmm. that's what Keyshawn Vaughn is. With with Rashad White, you get a more of a dynamic pass catcher. He's a little bit of an upright runner. He's a little bit of a of a of a bigger back. Forty two catches, four hundred and twenty yards. I'm sorry, forty two carries, four hundred and twenty yards, five touchdowns, averaged ten yards a carry in his twenty twenty season, his first year at Arizona State. Then last year had a thousand yards on the dot. 15 touchdowns on the ground. Then he added 43 catches for 456 yards. That's a healthy 10.6 yard average and another touchdown. So this is a player that that I think is, is a pretty good value in the fourth round that could come in as RB4. And by the end of training camp, you know, this guy might be RB2 if he develops and learns the offense. I think the Bucs could be swayed, honestly, just because of his fit. His fit is just that good at Arizona State. I mean, there's yeah. jerseys. Like I've said this before That's on the right. pod, like just hands down. Tom Sparky, Jersey. man. So, yeah. As long as he looks that good in the jersey, on. they might just want to take him. So we'll see what yeah. happens with, with him. But White, yeah, definitely an option for them. Just the running back position in general. Yeah. is We know they're going to – we feel very strongly they'll draft one. We put yeah. a lot of to money on To be clear, you and I both like Spiller. We both uh, like Spiller. We don't think it'll be in the fourth round. In yeah. fact, there was a report this past week, Scott. Just hang on here a second. Bear with yeah. me. There was a report that he could sneak into the first round. That is <sighs> astonishing that. to me. That has not been <laughs> talked about at all during the pre-draft yeah. process. That's the wildest thing I've heard probably. That's one of the wildest things I've heard during this. Yeah. And we know it's going to be a surprising draft. I've seen crazy things happen. I'm not even saying like there's impossible for that to happen. Right. But that would be insane. If the the other Bucks interesting it, thing would, is, and Buccaneer fans out there, they might be wondering, what about Brees Hall from Iowa State? You and I both like Brees Hall. We just don't have any intel yeah. that they're high on Brees Hall. Now right. we don't. We have not nailed all of the top thirty visits. It could be that yeah, Brees Hall was one of those guys. We just yeah. don't know. So we're reporting what we do know, and that is, so far they like Damian Pierce from Florida. They like Isaiah Spiller. They like Rashad White. All three of those guys have been to the facility. All three of those guys interviewed with the Buccaneers at the combine. Yeah, no question. They will take a running back. We just don't know exactly when they'll take a running back. It'll probably depend on the other positions. Hopefully it's lower on the priority list. Fingers crossed that they, they can still get a good guy in the fourth round. That's a that's, that's a, right. That's a fine area to get that. It's going to be a lot harder to get a good tight end or D-tackle or safety at that range of the draft. So let's hope their priorities are in order. Well, speaking of priorities, uh, if you're hungry, and uh, I think I'm hungry every day, John, and I about you, but <laughs> but um, no, if, I am. <laughs> computer people, if you're hungry every day like we are, make sure you head to Beef or Brady's. You want beefy? Nobody outbeefs beefs. Try the O'Brady Burger, made with premium Angus, perfectly seasoned and topped with melted provolone. It's an all-star, just like that other Brady in town. And if you're tailgating, you might want to pile on Beef's award-winning wings, too. Traditional or boneless in whatever sauce or dry rub you crave. Dine in, to go, or even catering. Play it your way. See you at Beef's. Speaking of beef or Brady's, whoa, they're the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report Draft Show. Folks, you might have seen it last year. This year is going to be even bigger and better. We're going to do it outright with Ledyard on uh, on his his right off into the sunset. Uh, we're going to be at the team's headquarters this year because there's no COVID. Um, we're going to be there at the Advent Health Training Center live April 28th, 29th, and 30th. We're going to be there an hour before the draft starts every single one of those days, doing some pregame for you guys, letting you know what the latest news we've heard regarding the Buccaneers. 
And where can you find this great draft show three days coming up later this week? Well, you can find it right here on Pewter Report TV on our YouTube channel. That's right. Make sure you subscribe to Pewter Report TV. Hit the notifications. That way we'll send you a reminder. We're getting ready to go live on Thursday night. The draft starts at 8. We'll go live at 7 p.m. Eastern time. On Friday, April 29th, the draft starts at 7 p.m. We'll be going live at 6 p.m. Eastern time. The draft kicks off at noon on Saturday, April 30th, and we'll have an 11 a.m. start time. So have breakfast with us on day three of the draft. Pewter Report TV, again, subscribe. Make sure you hit the like button. And uh, it's all sponsored by B for Brady's Good Food, Good Sports. Absolutely. And I like how you used all the red helmeted potential first round picks, but Trey McBride of the five players we mentioned, just, I mean, you got to have the right helmet color, buddy. It matches the color scheme. Green gold. If you're the pick, I mean, it's not our fault. Like, you should have found a way to be on a red team. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, a lot of people don't like the first round pick with Logan Hall. Some people don't like the second round pick with Trey McBride. I don't think they really wouldn't have liked Trey McBride at 27, but we do think Correct. it's a possibility. His range is t- like it always is for the top tight end in a class where there isn't a clear elite guy or a clear first round guy. Right. It's always hard to figure out like Hayden Hurst year, for example, who's clearly a worse player, but always was than McBride in my opinion went at the end of the first round. And that was just like a wow. Like that was just where teams felt like they needed to go for a tight end. Like they felt like they needed yep. to make that pick. There it seems like there's always a couple teams that need to jump the gun on tight end. So I don't know if he gets to 60. I think yeah. they're just trying to come away with them in this draft. And yeah. I don't know how it's going to be. I could see a trade down yeah. from 27 and then a trade up from 60. There's just a lot out there. So. John, it, it could be a whole bunch of smoke. you know. So, oh, speaking of smoke, <laughs> smoke Monday. Auburn safety smoke Monday. Okay, so we we have a cornerback and we have a safety for Todd Bowles. Why? Because yes. we're in round seven now, by the way. That's right. Round seven. Two picks. A couple picks for Mr. Irrelevant. That's right. And, and uh, speaking of Mr. Elvin, saw Grant Stewart last night. He would love to have Logan Hall here in Tampa. And I saw Carlton Davis, and I asked him about Smoke Monday. He didn't play with him because Carlton's right. been in the NFL for a minute. But he obviously watches his War Eagles and said that this Tiger really is an alpha. He's just a big-time playmaker. He had three pick sixes in college, including a big one against Alabama. What, what do you like about uh, uh, Smoke Monday? Well, you like his size, 6'2", 207. And he was a three-year starter, saw playing time as a freshman. So he's got a lot of of experience in the SEC. He's battle-tested, and he's just a very energetic player. Carlton Davis said that he is like the Devin White of the secondary. Like, he's just a high-energy player. Now, when he said that, I'm sure he didn't mean undisciplined, John. But (laughs) the reality of it is he's a little bit of an undisciplined player. That's why he's in the seventh round. He, this yeah. is not a finished product. He is a very good athlete. He's a very good football player, but definitely needs to be coached up. But you know what? In the seventh round, to get a depth safety that that might help you out in, in a couple of years and, and with some good coaching could be a starting caliber player, but in the meantime, help you out in special teams. Listen, Jason Light likes those Auburn Tigers. We saw K.J. Britt last year. We've, we've seen Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis. He's already brought in. Roger McCreary, another cornerback from Auburn. And they also brought in Smoke Monday for a top 30 visit, John. Yeah, I don't know whether Smoke Monday is going to be there in the end of the seventh or not. He is a core special teamer off the bat. Uh, he has not had a ton of ball production in his career, but every time he's got it, he's scored a touchdown, basically. Yeah. So he's three defensive touchdowns, I believe. He's created some splash plays in college on special teams as well. 
Um, just a fun, energetic type of player, the type type that in day three his teams start targeting. What we kind of did with these seventh rounders was we kind of tried to pick guys who would be in the sixth, seventh round range. Yeah. Just in case there was that possibility of the Bucks maybe adding a sixth round pick at some point in the draft. Right. We can't really give them a sixth round pick right now in these seven round mock drafts because we don't have one. We don't do trades right. with these. But in case there is that trade, we tried to pick players who might be a little bit higher than this seventh rounder. So if they stay here at both these sevens, maybe these picks are a little bit unrealistic, but we just think there's a decent chance at some point in the draft, a sixth or a fifth gets added or something yeah. like that. And then all of a sudden guys like smoke Monday are probably in the conversation with these picks. So we're hedging a little bit in just terms yeah. of trying to be predictive of the, how this draft might unfold for Tampa Bay, given what we think they want to do, which is trade back at some point. Right. So we'll see if that comes to fruition or not, but either way be a great pickup here because his core special team or replaces Andy no Adams immediately. And is probably, you know, has more upside to be a, a better special team or at least, and yep. a nice guy in the locker room, you know, the kind of player you want to add on day three. I think a lot of teams. Yeah, do. no doubt. And, and our, our whole job, it really isn't even to be right with the mock drafts and the Bucks best bets. We, we, we like when that happens. Cause you know, it makes us feel good. We put a lot of work into this, but really mm -hmm. is to put these guys in your radar, Bucks fans. It's, yeah. it's to have you become familiar with some of the players they're really diving into and guys that could be Buccaneers to finish out the mock draft. Isaiah Weston. Uh, John, you did a, uh, an interesting write-up about the wide receivers that Jason Light has drafted and, and the traits that they look for. And, and they, they look for size-speed guys. And this is a player that ran a 4-4-2. He's a small school guy out of northern Iowa. But six foot three, two eleven, kind of has that Justin Watson type size, speed, frame coming out of of uh, Northern Iowa. But the thing that would really, I think, catch Bruce Arians, and in this case, really uh, Byron Leftwich's um, eye, is the fact that he averaged about 22, 23 yards per catch. He is a deep ball guy. Um, I, I said in, in the write up, he's kind of like a poor man's Christian Watson. Watson's getting a lot of. Uh, early second round, maybe even late first round buzz at North Dakota State. He was a, a senior bowl guy. This is a similar type receiver, not polished, needs some work. It's going to be a big jump from the FCS level to the NFL, but similar body size, similar speed, similar ability, similar deep ball guy as Christian Watson. And he'll be 25 in October. Yeah, so that's, that's why he's in the seventh round. Right. <laughs> he's in the seventh round. You mentioned it. Exactly right. Physically, exactly what the Bucs look for in the draft. Obviously, they get away from that when there's a guy that's really fast, like a Scotty Miller, or, you know, Jalen Darden, somebody with returnability. That most of the smaller receivers they've drafted, they felt like could also be returners. Even Scotty probably fit that to a degree. But you know, um, who's the um, the the returner who was there for a while? I can't remember his name now. He's a pick like five, six years ago. I forget. Caleb Clay. Yeah, yeah, smaller guy. Again, he yeah. wasn't even that fast. I don't think, but they thought he could be a returner. That's when they right. take a smaller guy. It's usually because of that. So when when they're not looking for a returner, and I don't think they are this year, they're looking for size, speed, leaping ability. Weston, six three and a half, two hundred fourteen pounds, thirty two and a half inch arms. He's got the the almost seventy nine inch wingspan, four four two forty at the combine. A 149 10-yard split is bonkers, a 40-inch vertical, an 11-3 broad. Then he doesn't do the agilities. He goes to the pro day and does the agilities, and they're terrible. I don't think that's the end of the world for big wide receivers at all. However, he's obviously very unrefined. There's drops in traffic. He's not necessarily uh, a consistently a contested catch monster or anything like that. There are flashes. There's inconsistencies. He needs a lot of development. Obviously, that's why he's in the seventh round. There's all opinions are all over the place. If you just read his athletic profile, you'd think there's no way this guy yeah. makes it to the seventh. 
Brugler and a couple others think he's going to be a free agent, an undrafted free agent signing. Right. It's going to be very interesting to see how that part plays out for Weston. But this is basically the end of the draft. This is what the second to last yeah. pick in the draft. So That's this right. is a very realistic pick for the yeah. Bucks. Could actually and, and happen in the seventh or even the sixth. Travis Johnson, right, is, is mm-hmm. another not not Tyler Johnson, Travis Johnson, the kid from, yeah. from Montana State, who's been on the practice squad for a while. Very similar size, speed, traits kind of guy that they look for. So this kind of fits the mold a little bit. Justin Watson, Travis Johnson, and and really in the seventh round, you're drafting people that you don't want to have to contend for and recruit in, in the undrafted free agency, the 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 draft 2.0, where when the draft ends, everyone starts getting on the phone trying to get the priority undrafted free agents. A lot of, a lot of times teams in the seventh round will just pick guys mm-hmm. that they think are going to be the most sought after in the um, in the undrafted free agency. Yep, absolutely. No question about it. So there's our seven-round mock. We don't know if it's going to completely come true. Hopefully we get a couple. Remember, this is predictive, so this is what we do think. But also make sure you check out Buck's Best Bets. Every position is up except yep. safety, which is tomorrow. Matt's doing those. And corners, yep. which is Wednesday. I'm doing those. So we'll have your Bucks Best Bets at safety and corner coming up over the next two days, as well as our positional previews for all those players and kind of our scouting notes on them and things like that. So look for those articles at pewterreport.com. Hopefully I can get a big board up. Hopefully I can get a 32-pick mock draft up. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Uh, thoughts and prayers for that. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, with those things. But trying to get all that content up yeah. for you this week at Pewter Report John. and the draft show this weekend. We're going to have another Pewter Report podcast Tuesday night and Wednesday mm-hmm. night. Right? Yep. We're doing primetime all week. So make sure if you're used to coming at 4 o'clock and you say, where the hell is this Pewter Report podcast today? <laughs> well, hang on a couple hours, folks. Right. 7.30 tomorrow night, 7.30 Wednesday night. And then the, the the big shows are coming up, right? That's that's uh, the draft show, and that's going to be April twenty eighth, 29th, and thirtieth. So we're going to be going prime time tonight, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and then all day on Saturday, starting at eleven a.m. on day three. Yep, get a full week with you all tomorrow. I'll be hosting for sure. We'll have some more of the Pewter Report crew rotating in here as well with us. As JC mentions here, undrafted free agent best bets is coming yep. on Thursday as well. We'll have that. Uh, list up for y'all as well so you can key in on some undrafted free agents who will probably no the box will target on saturday evening after the seventh round concludes so lots of great content coming your way can't wait to do it for you with y'all it's going to be awesome until tomorrow at 7 30 p.m eastern thanks so much once again for listening to another edition of the pewter report podcast out out